All right, we're going to jump into this sermon, and uh, I've said it this way to first service. I'll say it to you this way. We're kicking off an Easter sermon that starts today. I'm not calling it an Easter series because it's really one sermon with three parts. It's the greatest story ever told, the story of Easter and, and, and the redemption of mankind and, and God's so loving sending his son to die on our behalf, this being the greatest story ever told. Uh, we're going to tell it in three parts, one sermon, and it's creation. Today we're going to talk about creation. Next week we're going to talk about chaos, the chaos that happened, and then we're going to talk about the cross. So there's three parts to this one sermon. We'll handle it over the next three weeks, of course, concluding on Easter. So let's pray and we'll jump into it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for today, Lord, the way that you love us and lead us. God, we know that you have something for us today. And so God, I pray that you tune our ears and our hearts and our minds to you today, that we don't just hear words and get interested in thoughts, but God, instead we receive your truths this morning that will help us live the way you called us to in Jesus' name. Amen. So the reality of this greatest story ever told is the greatest story ever told also answers the greatest question of the human heart, which is, what is my purpose? What am I here for? What is this all about? The number one longing of the human heart is to, to feel like they belong to something and have a purpose. So they want a family and they want to feel like they're making a difference and feel like they connect. The all-time best-selling book, nonfiction, uh, is Pastor Rick Warren's book uh, called The Purpose Driven Life. And, and The Purpose Driven Life asks the question, what am I here for? What is this all about? Because it's such a craving of the human heart to know what's the point of all of this? Why am I here? And the greatest story ever told tells us our purpose. I also believe that this story, the greatest story ever told, I believe that it makes a difference for us on our good days. I believe that it makes a difference for us on our bad days. I believe it makes a difference for us on our rich days and on our poor days. I think it makes a difference for us in our young life days and our old life days. The greatest story ever told makes an impact in our lives at all times. Can I get an amen? In the work that Christ did for us. But sometimes we have to ask ourselves this question. We filter through things through this idea of it's not enough just to know uh, what happened. We need to ask ourselves why it happened. So many of us can come to church and we can hear the stories and we can hear the things and we can say, oh, I know what happened. But then you got to ask yourself a little bit deeper, why did it happen and what does it mean and, and, and how does it involve me? And so we're going to do that today in the next couple of weeks. We're going to take a look at this greatest story ever told, but not just to know what happened, but to know why it happened and why it matters in my life. Uh, if you were to ask me, okay, okay, pastor said he's going to preach a three-week Easter sermon, you would think, well, he's going to talk about Jesus. That's, that's what he's going to talk about. That's what Easter is about. But I think for us to do it justice, the greatest story ever told, we have to start back, of course, at the beginning. Genesis being the beginning. And so that's why we chose to talk on creation today. The beginning of it all. Genesis is the beginning. And so creation uh, is a big deal. So point number one for us today that we need to know about the greatest story ever told, this creation story, is we got to look at God's design and why it matters and, and why it matters to us. And so what we need to know, the first thing we need to walk away from is this. Point number one, you were created for relationship with God. That's God's design. That's his creation story. That's his creation purpose in me and you is that we were created to be in relationship with God. If you take a look at Genesis, you see that there was God and he created mankind and he had relationship with them. 
He had interaction with them. God's design is to be in relationship with you. You might say, oh, no, no, pastor, you don't understand. I've sinned too much. You don't understand the family that I grew up in. You don't understand some of the decisions I've made and the things that I do. No, God's design for creation is to have a relationship with mankind. And we're going to get into it for the next couple weeks. No, I've messed up too much. Okay, so you're saying you've had some chaos. God came into chaos to bring restoration so that he can continue that relationship. God's desire is to have relationship with his people. John chapter 10, verse 27. This is Jesus reiterating this. He, he says, yes, God's design is to be in relationship with mankind, his creation. But then Jesus says he's here on earth, says this, John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Speaking about how we can follow God in a way that we can hear his voice and we can walk with him and we can be led by him. Jesus is saying my desire for creation is that we have this relationship, this coming and going in life where, where there's this conversation, this speaking. One of our major pieces, of course, in relationship is the ability to communicate with one another is be able to be verbal, to speak to one another. Well, God knew that, and through creation, he gave us language. And we see all throughout Scripture that our God, our Savior, our Creator, is a God who communicates to his people. He invented language. God created language, and so he gave us that. We gave us the ability to convey with our words. Both God does that to his people, and we do that among one another. We also see that God gave written form to his will. It's called the Bible. So God's saying, I love my people so much. I want to be in relationship with them. I, I need them to know my will. Therefore, he spoke to people and, and we got his will in written form called the Bible, which how many of you know, it's perfect truth. Can I get amen? And so he said, I so much care about them understanding and knowing my will for their life that I gave us the Bible. We see all throughout scripture, God speaking. We see Elijah because God's desire was to have relationship with his people. Elijah said, God spoke to me in a whisper or a still, still small voice was a way that God spoke. We saw John said that God's voice was like a sound of mighty waters or rushing waters. God's voice came to him that way, which again is a picture of relationship. We see all throughout scripture, uh, they say, thus says the Lord. Whether it came through Jesus or a prophet or whether it came from God himself, we saw that God was saying, I am a God that says things to my people. He's a relational God. I'm so grateful that we don't have some man-made, manufactured, golden idol that could care less about us. Has no way to relationally connect. We serve a living God whose desire is to be relational with his people. Can I get amen? That's his creation. That was his story. That's the beginning. That's the plan. We see that uh, when Jesus was baptized, the, the, the skies open, the clouds part, and from heaven, God looks down at his son and says, this is my son, relational language, whom I well pleased, relational language. But then we also get instructed that we as believers should go and do likewise, be baptized, which also does what? Pleases our heavenly father, which teaches us what? God is relational. He wants relationship with us. He doesn't want some dead old religion in our lives. Are you with me? We also see for 600 years, there was silence. You didn't hear from God. We didn't, the prophets weren't speaking the word of the Lord. After 600 years, we then saw John the Baptist shows up on the scene. He said, I am the voice of one crying. And he begins to talk about repentance, but he's talking about God's desire to communicate to his people. 
When Pentecost came and the scripture said that uh, the Holy Spirit came and filled people and they were filled in other tongues, what was the voice of the Holy Spirit? It was, it was a language. The gift of the Holy Spirit came in the form of language. Why? Because God is a speaking, communicating God. Matthew chapter 11, verse 15 says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. That means relationship. That describes relationship. How unfair would it be if God was a God who didn't care to have a relationship with you, but then actually instructs you to be somebody who listens and understands? It's a picture of relationships. God's creation story of the greatest story ever told is that God desires to be communicating with his people. Matthew chapter four, verse four says, man does not live on bread alone. Man lives on the preceding word of God or the words from God. God is speaking and that's his desire. Can I get an amen? I'm so grateful that God talks to us. He talks to us in so many different ways. We can, as I mentioned a minute ago, we can open the Bible and we can read his will, his word for our life. We can get in and have a written form of God's word for our life. We can also worship like this right here. We can come into this place and we can have a relationship with God through music. We can make a connection with our creator, the one who has the greatest story ever told. He says, yes, you can come together, brothers and sisters, and you can worship me. And, and you can make this connection. You say, wow, that's so weird to, to say that we can come to a place and we're going to have some kind of connection with God through a song. I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, but how many of you have been here with your spouse? You got a song, your little love song, your little Aerosmith song that you guys got. Don't want to close. They say, oh, it just brought us together. Every time that song comes out, we go together. But why is it so weird when we say in worship that, that as we worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we can be drawn? Are you with me? Sometimes we overthink all these things. Sermons, we, God gave us the ability to, to, to get together and talk about the truth. And, and hopefully you can look past the, the communicator and you can hear the truths of God's word as we have sermons. Or maybe as you sit down and you journal begin to journal things unto God and he speaks to you and nudges you. Uh, these are relationships or through nature or through dreams and through visions or through the arts. These are all ways that God in his creation said, I want to be able to have relationship with my people. The creation story is of a God that wants to have relationship with us. Point number two is this. You were created on purpose for a purpose. We talk about the greatest story ever told and we talk about creation. One of the things we need to see that God set in order is that God created you, but he also created you for a purpose to be doing something. Genesis chapter two, verse 15 says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Everybody say work it. Oh, I hear some of you working it. I like the way you work. He said, you need to work it and take care of it. Work it and take care of it. Here's what we need to understand. There's rivers, trees, animals, all these things. The scripture says God puts Adam in that to work it, take care of it, do all these things. What he's saying is God, God is saying, I've created you with a purpose to participate in all that I've created. I believe there's no such thing as sideline Christianity. Well, you know, I've done my time and I've served the Lord for a good few years. You know, back at that other church, we really no, no. God has put you here. And he's requiring of us to be a people who tend to and participate with and take care of what he's given us. Can I get an amen? amen. I, I don't believe in, no, oh, I'm going to just sit back and, you know, I'm not really called. No, no, God has got a great purpose. You know, the scripture says that he took Adam and he put him in the garden. He put him in the garden, which means 
where he put him is the place that God intended him to be. That was profound, right? Some of you are like, wow, that was deep. No, no, what I'm trying to get you to see is the place that you've been put is the place that God wants you to be. You say, well, no, I'm in a hard spot right now. I know, I understand, but God put him in the garden and said, okay, now participate with the things, build the kingdom, advance what I've created. And it's the same thing in our life where God has put you. He's got a plan and a purpose for you to participate in that for the glory of the kingdom. And so exactly where we were, you know, most people who struggle with depression, you know, they struggle with this depression because they, they, they feel like they have no purpose or they feel like they have no hope, or they feel like they're not making a difference. What they're missing is the fact that God created them on purpose for a purpose. God's got a great plan for them, and they can have hope because God has something for them. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. It says, for we are God's handiwork. One translation says masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It says that God created us. He put us together. He formed us so that what? So that we could participate in his kingdom and do good works. Again, there's no sideline Christianity. The part of our creation story is that God created us so that we can go out and accomplish what he's called us to do. It's a part of the greatest story ever told. And notice it says right here, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's prepared you. I know the enemy loves to come in and say, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, God surely can't use you. Oh, you're not talented enough. You don't have enough education. No, no, God in advance prepared a work that you get to work in. God's called you and he's put you there. And the part of the greatest story is that God has created you with great purpose. And it's an honor that we get to walk in that. Amen. Yeah. One of the biggest things we wrestle with, we're wired in. You know, you get God created you. He put you together. He formed you as a masterpiece. He put you together and he wired you with this idea to be somebody who accomplishes great purposes. That's why as a young kid, there's always this conversation of that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. Every young child talks about the thing, that the purpose, the big thing that they're going to do when they grow up. Why? Because you're wired to be somebody who achieves great purpose. Can I get amen? Point number three is this. You were created to be creative. This is a fun one. You were created to be creative. You know that this is an advantage that you have. God has built you and wired you and constructed you in a way that you have the ability to be creative. You weren't created a robot. You're not some minion that just follows along, whatever it was. You were created with the ability to be creative. Genesis chapter 2 verse 19 says this. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Remember that, name them. And whatever the man called them, we'll also remember that, each living creature, that was its name. Scripture says he named them, called them, and it's what they were. Because God created us with the ability to speak and it be. Scripture says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Scripture says this in, in Proverbs here. I'll read it to you. It says, Proverbs 18, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Listen, this is what God did here. He gave the example of, look, all of heaven and earth came to be because I spoke it. God said it and it was. That was God's creation pattern. Now he goes to Adam and goes, okay, you're imitators of God. 
You're called to be like me, imitators of God. Therefore, it's your turn to speak and it be. He put the creation story right in motion. He said, now you say it and you can have it. You say it and it will be. And so he spoke and it was. Now, imagine what this looked like, okay? Think about this. Adam is there and it's time to like name all these animals. And I don't know if, uh, I think I can prove it here. The scripture doesn't really say if, if the Garden of Eden was like heaven where like people didn't tire or, or no sadness. You know, we, we don't really know. But I think I can prove that you actually got tired in the Garden of Eden. Because in the beginning of naming animals, they're pretty like kind of big and elaborate. You have like kangaroo, okay? You have like chipmunk. You have armadillo. You have hippopotamus. Hip-hop, hip, hippopotamus. Some of you get that, and you're my friends. The others, that's okay. You give him all the easy ones. <clears throat> so he's got all these big ones, hippopotamus. He's got all these big ones. Then I think toward the end of the day, he, he got tired, and it was like fly, ant, bee. You tracking with me? He just got lazy. He just started mailing cat, yak, fox. He just, and Jesus is like, or God's like, Fox, okay. He's like, do you know what the fox says? <laughs> and, and, and Adam was like, what are you talking about? He's like, never mind. It comes later. I'll get that later. But saying and being is a pattern of creation that God put in all of us. Now, I'm not saying God has created you to be a person that says Lamborghini be and it be. I wish, right? You know? It's not that it's it's God has given us the ability to be able to one scripture says that God watches over his word to perform it when we can take God's truths and we can speak because there's there's life and death in the power of our tongue. Scripture says that the worlds were framed by what God said. If we can be imitators, I believe that we can create our worlds with our words. I wrote it down like this. You can frame your future by the words that you speak. What's on your tongue is in your future. The truth is you are what you speak. We have to watch the words that we're saying. I get kind of upset and annoyed, I guess a little bit perturbed would be a proper way to say it uh, with Christians so many times because we're so quick to quit on things. God's called you into something and you hit a wall and you say, well, I guess this is the Lord's not. It's not the Lord's will. Oh, he hasn't opened the door for me. God hasn't opened the door. No, no, no. God's given you the ability to speak and confess and use the authority that he's given you and the creativity that he created you with to be able to speak and open doors and create other creative solutions. Are you with me? And so we got to stop being people who quit so much. We have the creator who created us creatively. Let's be some people who can speak differently. Speak differently over your job situation. Speak differently over your parenting. Are you with me? School situations, relationships. Let's use our words to build what God has for us. Amen. Creativity, I believe, is this. I believe that creativity uh, was not created by Hollywood. I believe creativity was not invented by Pixar. I, I believe that the church needs to be the people who can tap back into the creativity, creativity that God created us with and take back some of these areas. I don't think the most creative places in the world should be Pixar and Disney and Hollywood. I think the most creative places in the world ought to be the church. But the enemy's done a great job, and he did it with the Pharisees, and he does it with current church. He's always, instead of trying to get us to move in freedom of God and, and follow the Spirit into things and be creative with what God's calling us into, instead he's trying to get us to just do the same old. 
sing the same old songs, listen to the same old sermons from the same old guy sitting in the same old seat next to the same old people. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? And I'm not saying you got to stop sitting by different people that you love. I'm just saying the religion comes in and that's what the Pharisees did. Oh, don't, you got to do it this way. The rule, the rule, the rule. And God is a creative God. And we've, we've punted creativity out of the body of Christ and, and the world is, is taking it. And I believe that God is calling the church to take it back. Amen. I love this. Exodus chapter 35, verse 30. Uh, my New King James Version, uh, the, the headline here is, The Artisans of God, the Artist of God, the Call by God for Artists. Uh, verse 30, uh, it says this, Exodus 35, 30. It says, And Moses said to the children of Israel, we don't have it on the screens, let me read it to you. Uh, and Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name, and then a whole bunch of names, and he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge in all manner of workmanship. I'm talking about creativity to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. Scripture says the spirit of God has empowered people to be artistic. And the first time we hit a wall, we say, oh, I guess it's not the Lord's will. I can't, I can't think of another way to do it. It continues to go on. Verse 35, he has filled them with the skill to do all manner of work. The engraver, the designer, the tapestry maker, the really anointed cake decorator, the blue and purple scarlet thread, fine linen, and the weaver. And then it says this, those who do every work and those who design in artistic works. The spirit of God anoints people to walk in creativity and artisticness. Isn't that awesome to think that we serve a God who's saying, hey, you've been empowered by the spirit of God to go out and be creative. Bill Johnson, who I love, a pastor out of Bethel Church, uh, he says this. This just blows your mind. Okay, think about this. He says that every single one of the earth's problems, heaven already has an answer for. Every single thing that we're facing, there's already a solution in heaven for it. What do we need to do? Well, we need to pray into and we need to seek God's will and we need to press in. And we need to also, I believe, let God use us creatively to come up with creative solutions. Are you with me? What am I talking about specifically? I'm talking about how God's design for the greatest, the, the, the greatest story ever told is that God created us creative people. It's part of our creation story. So when we see in schools that kids are going hungry on the weekend, we pray and we seek God in a ministry like hand to hand is formed and said, hey, we can't allow that. And so God spoke creatively and some people got together and said, here's a way that we can make sure kids have meals on weekends. Are you tracking what I'm saying? All these different ways that God can use us uniquely to be the people who establish his kingdom. Can I get an amen? And so we can't let religion kill that creativity. All throughout scripture, God, God does things creatively different than the way he did it before. We see an example right here in Genesis. It says in the beginning that God spoke and it was. He formed the seas and the trees. He's all these things with his words. But then the scripture says that when he goes to make man, because he's creative, he's like, um, this ought to be fun. He's like, let's take some of this dirt and we'll put some of this dirt together and we'll breathe into it. And then there'll be man. So that's why forever we'll be known as dirt bags, right? Because we just, so he breathes creatively. He just literally gets creative and he creates man. But then after that, he says, oh, man, this man needs a helper, a helpmate, somebody uh, to be at his side, somebody to do life with him. And so the scripture says that he gets some more dirt and he puts together. No, it doesn't say that. 
He says like, hey, I want to do something different. I'm going to be creative here. Let's do something else. And thank God the scripture says that he put Adam to sleep before he did this. But he puts him to sleep and the scripture says he takes a rib from the man and creates the woman. Which is why well, forever, women will always forever be known uh, as a pain in man's side. You know, it's a joke. I can joke about dirt bags and joke about them. The reality is uh, they're meant to be at our side. It's an example of being at our side. They, women don't stand behind us. You understand what I'm saying? Good. Thank you. One, one man smart enough to give an amen there. <laughs> that works. It's going to work good for you. But creatively, he does it different. One, he puts some dirt together. The other time, he does this little rib thing. And, and all throughout Scripture, he's creatively uh, doing different things, almost to like break the mold of the same old, same old. We see in Scripture, one time he speaks to his people through a burning bush. You see later with Balaam, we see that later literally a donkey speaks back. He uses a donkey creatively. If you actually read the story, the, the dude is actually beaten up on the donkey. And the donkey turns around and begins to speak to him. And I think that's great. And some of you are like, that's happened to me before. And I'm like, we're not talking about your college days. <laughs> but then walk down water. Here's another one. He's traveling with the disciples. He's doing all these things. He's got all this ministry that he does. And all of a sudden, one day, he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk to him out on the water. Because again, he's trying to get us to see, want to change things up and be creative. And I believe uh, that we're made in the image of God. We're imitators of God. So it's important for us to be people who understand our creative power in the kingdom of God. Can I get amen? I thought about it yesterday. You know, the scripture says that we're supposed to have childlike faith. Remember, it says, oh, you know, those like a child, childlike faith. I was building a workbench yesterday in our garage and uh, I took my three-year-old daughter. She's the one that I describe as the fun one. Uh, I took her out there to play with power tools with me. And, uh, and so we, we go out there and, and, and build this workbench. I know you guys think pastors only know how to turn Bible pages, but we can do more than that. Uh, but I'm out there building the workbench. And, and of course, she, she is being childlike. And, and I put up a table, and so she brought out Play-Doh, and she brought out Barbies. And then as I'm trying to put all these two-by-fours together and build things, she's running across. I'm, Dad, you know, and, and, all, and she's doing all this stuff. But the main thing that she keeps saying to me, she's playing with all this thing, Dad, Dad, look what I made. Because as a child, she is wired, we are all wired, to be a people who say, hey, as I'm growing, as I'm developing, as I'm growing up, there's something about me that wants to continually show what I've created. God wired us to be that way in the kingdom of God. Like, hey, hey, God, look what, look what we've stewarded. You've planted me here. You've put me here. And part of my creation story is to be somebody who creates things for the kingdom. Look what I made. Look what I created. And what I love about it is like, you know this, you come home and, and you got young kids and say, dad, look, I, I drew you something. And, and you're like, what is it? <laughs> you know, That's so sweet. Look at that. That's amazing. And God does the same thing when we take steps of creativity for the kingdom with him. Like, oh, that's so awesome. And God loves to see us grow in our creation. People ask me all the time, pastor, how do you get, like, how would you say, who are the most fulfilled people? Who are the most fulfilled people in the church, in your church or any other churches? And, and I've been on staff at a lot of other churches. Who are those that are like the most fulfilled in church? And that's an absolute easy answer. It's people who serve. It's people who are on a regular rhythm of serving in the church. And you say, well, why, why is that the case? And I believe the reason that people who serve in the church are the most fulfilled and the most satisfied in the body of Christ is because they are people who get to creatively build into the kingdom. 
You know, when people come in here and they set up these chairs, the setup team, you're not just setting out chairs. You're not just putting together flags. You're coming in and you're using that creative piece that God gave you and you're creating an atmosphere for God to move. Are you with me? And kids check in and, and you're greeting kids and in the kids ministry, you know, you're doing more than just hanging out with little ones and putting out animal crackers and singing kids songs. You're creating an atmosphere where those kids can hear about God for the first time in their lives. You're walking in that creation story, the greatest story that God ever did, the, the greatest story ever told, that creation story. I thought about the tech team, you know, putting these lights together and plugging in microphones and all this kind of stuff. Why is it so fulfilling? Not because, you know, they love to plug in wires or do that. It's because they love to be a part of creating something that, that boosts and advance the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? You were created to be somebody who's creative in whatever that looks like. God has creative answers and solutions for your life in your workplace, in your parenting, in, in all of these things. Let's seek God for these creative answers. I'll close with this. And this is my segue into week two. I told you this is all one sermon over three weeks, but this leads us into this next week. God created us with all these abilities to be able to create and created us with purpose. But he did create us with this one thing, and it's the ability to choose. God created us with the ability to choose. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Then the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will surely die. But had that choice. Here comes the serpent. Has God really said, Is that really true that if you eat of that, you're going to surely die? Are you going to believe that? Are you going to do that? Are you really going to listen? Begins to put in all of these seeds of doubt and questioning and all this stuff. But God didn't create a robot. He created us with the ability to choose. So, of course, we know that Adam and Eve made a bad choice. They made the wrong choice. And it's what leads us into next week's sermon, Chaos Then Ensued. We fell out of the order that God had for us and chaos and sin and death and sickness, all these things entered into the world because of this choice. And so I always say, man, why the, why the choice? Why did you create us with people who could choose? Why did you even make an opportunity for us to mess up and, and get it wrong and cause chaos? But the reality falls right here. For there to be true love, there has to be a choice. It's not true love if someone doesn't have a choice. And so God wanted a people that he could be in relationship with, that, that, that he could love and they could love him, but he couldn't create robots and minions. He had to create people with the opportunity to choose. You can't have love without a choice. Here's my example. If I come home from work and I bust through the front door and Jess has told the kids, now when you get home, when dad gets home, you will march to the door. And when he gets there through the door, you're going to tell him how much you love him and adore him. And you will do. How many know that wouldn't be love when I came through the door because they were programmed to come to the door. Are you with me? But how many know when I get home? I bust that door open and freely. Those kids choose to put down the switch and put down the barbs and put down all the things and come running to me. How many of you know that's true love? Because they're choosing to love me. And so they come running at me and I say, get out of the way, where's the puppies? <laughs> where's my puppies? <laughs> Just kidding, I don't do that. 
often. <laughs> but for there to be true love, it has to be a choice. And so, so God gave us with this ability to choose and then chaos ensued. But here's what I love is that God, because we're imitators of God, God also, God also has a choice. And so chaos hit the world, but then God made a choice and he sent his perfect son so that he could restore this chaos and that'll get us to Easter, but stick with me for the next couple of weeks and we'll see what all that looks like. But my, my thing to you here in this creation, God created us with a great plan and a great purpose and creativity and all these things that he gave us. It's a part of your story. It's a part of the creation story and it matters just as much today as it did all the way back then. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to just pray for all of us before we dismiss. Before I pray for all of us as a whole, I'm going to give you the opportunity if you're in here today and you say, man, Pastor Josh, I, I hear what you're saying and, and, and I'm tracking with this greatest story. But you might say, man, Pastor Josh, I'm missing it at point one. I don't have a relationship with God. I haven't made him Lord of my life or I haven't decided to become a Christian or follow him. Or maybe you once did, but you're not walking the way that God's called you to. And today you say, I want to make sure I'm, I'm doing point one. I'm walking in a relationship with God. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you come forward or single you out or anything like that. But the book of Romans gives us an instruction about what it looks like to pray the prayer of salvation or some people call it the sinner's prayer. Let me read it to you, and then I'll give you this opportunity. Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, this goes back to what we talked about earlier, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're in here today and you say, man, Pastor Josh, count me in that prayer. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. The beautiful thing about this is the scripture says your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven. Your eternity will be spent with that Savior. The greatest story ever told is that Jesus came to be your Savior, to save us from ourselves, save us from this world, but then save our eternity to be with him. Again, if you're here and you say, Pastor, count me in that prayer, what I'm going to ask you to do is we're all going to repeat this prayer. But right where you are, believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth as we all pray it together. And I believe salvation is yours. Let's pray. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I believe you sent your son Jesus and he died and rose again for me. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all applaud them real good who prayed that prayer. Hey, if you're here and you prayed that prayer, I want to let you know our prayer team just down the hallway past the coffee bar, they got a free gift they'd like to give you. It's a book that helps you with some of your next steps. You may say, oh, I've, I've, I've gone to church a whole bunch of my life, or, or I know some things about God. I, I don't need that book. No, for real, go back there and get that book. It just helps you with what it looks like to follow God and, and uh, after praying that prayer, some of the important steps to take uh, in the days ahead. So we'd love for you to have that book. And uh, for the rest of us, I, I want to encourage you, back to my first thought, is we got to dive deep into not just what happened, but why it happened creation and chaos and then God restoring us like what does that mean to us in every single day of our life and uh, I believe we can take a lot from it amen